Colorado has changed over the past few months, but what are the realistic expectations for Deion Sanders and the Buffs? We're going to talk about that and more on today's episode of Locked on Buffs. You are Locked on Buffs, your daily podcast on the Colorado Buffaloes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? This is Locked on Buffs. I am your host, Kevin Borba. And joining me today, we have a special guest, Brian Howell, the beat writer from Buff Zone. Brian, thank you for joining us, giving your insight on Colorado. Uh, are you ready to dive in and talk about all this craziness? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, today we're talking about realistic expectations for the Buffs. Are they title contenders? Are they barely going to surpass the three and a half win mark? We're going to discuss how Coach Prime has changed the program over in Boulder. And then we're going to talk about his transfer methods, the exodus, the people he's bringing in, and all that at, towards the end. But before we do, I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Bus your first listen. We're available and free wherever you get your podcast. Okay, Brian, I kind of teased it a little bit, but let's dive right into the realistic expectations. We talked about it off air. Um, Colorado has the sixth highest um, bet total in terms of winning the championship. Um, I think a lot of people are now kind of seeing them as a dark horse contender in the Pac-12, while some see them as someone who just be happy to win four or five games. Where what do you, what are the real expectations for Colorado as someone who's been around the program and has kind of seen the changes going on? Well, it's funny because you know you and I were talking about that uh, before we started. At the same time, I also got an email a little bit ago that. They're projected for three and a half wins, which is the second lowest in the power five. So you put those two things together and what it tells you is nobody knows what in the world to expect from a Deion Sanders coached power five team when there's going to be 75 new scholarship players, you know, so it's extremely difficult to project uh, something for this team. Um, realistic expectations to me is bowl game. If you can get to, six and six and get to a bowl game to me that is a fantastic season uh you know if you're a colorado fan you're you're someone that likes to gamble uh you could you could maybe bet the over on the three and a half uh but i wouldn't bet on a on a title um if you got some you know spare change you might as well put it on there for those odds but um i, I think realistic realistic expectations is uh surpassing that projected win total three and a half which means four plus and maybe a bowl game yeah, and I think as someone who always comes off as pessimistic when we're talking about the Buffs, just because I, I understand the excitement's there. I understand there's a whole different aura around the program. You got to be a little realistic. Um, yeah. And to win a championship, and outside of TCU, who they didn't even come close to winning the championship, outside of they made it to the championship game but wasn't competitive, you have to have at least, I think the number is 52% of your roster needs to be a blue chip uh, player ranked by 24-7 sports, so four or five star. Um, the lowest mark is 52%. I believe that was Florida State back in the day with Jameis Winston. Um, and Clemson, I also think, had a, a team with that low of margin. So they're not there yet. Um, two, the Pac-12 is probably at it, the strongest it's been in maybe a decade, if not longer. Um, so that's also not the recipe for success yeah. in terms of getting to a championship or a Pac-12 championship. And then I joked about this in one of my articles today over at Athlon. and I was like, I think Colorado is going to have to wear name tags up until week one because there's going to be so many new faces out there. Um, so a lot of things are kind of working against them in terms of being a championship contender. But what about a Pac-12 dark horse? So say things start going right, all the transfers hit um, because there's 40 plus right now. And I've been saying they need to hit on at least 60% of them. 60% um, need to be contributors. Otherwise, it's not going to be uh, the dream season that people are hoping of. But what about 
Pac-12 dark horse contenders, maybe throw someone off or take away someone's chances to win the conference. Yeah, I I just don't see it uh, right now. And, you know, when I look at this team right now, and there's still 20 guys, we don't even know who's going to be on this team. So, uh, you know, I think it's like 14 or 15 spots that are open right now scholarship-wise, and there's maybe a few more that are going to open. But um, So it's 15 to 20 guys we don't even know of yet. Um, I still look at this roster as, at best, the seventh best in the Pac-12 right now going into the season. And, uh, you know, quarterback-wise, I think it's a major upgrade with Shadour Sanders over what they've had. But at least going into it, I can't put him above, obviously, the Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams. (laughs) Michael Penix led the country in passing last year. Bo Nix was pretty darn good at Oregon last year. Cam Rising, if he's healthy, I know he's coming off an ACL. But if he's healthy, I can't put Shadour over him because because of what he's done. So at best to me going in, he's the fifth best quarterback. Now, they had by far the 12th best quarterback in the Pac-12 last year, uh, last two years probably. So they're better. I think it's a it's a much better team. But Dark Horse in the Pac-12, I don't see it right now. I, I just think uh, they're going to have to hit on a ton of these guys. And they're, they're banking on a lot of guys that have not played much football, that came out of high school highly rated, did not play a whole lot of football at their previous stop. And they're banking on them, you know, finding something with these new surroundings. So uh, that's a lot of ifs that they're they're banking on. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think throughout this whole entire process, my my ceiling for this team has been six, seven wins. Um, I said throw a parade if you get to eight wins. Um, six or seven feels like the number where, because obviously I think there's winnable games out there. I think TCU, Nebraska, sure, winnable. Colorado State, they should win. That's three right there. They get to play Arizona State. They get Stanford. Maybe they get US UCLA sleeping or something, but Arizona is winnable. Yeah, they have winnable games out there. It's just I don't think they're going to run the table yet. I think this team and Coach Prime and every new coach goes through this. He has to get his guys that he recruits from the high school ranks um, onto the roster. And while he did bring in a top twenty class, which is very good for a first year coach at a program who was only on the job for a few weeks before early signing day, um, you still got a long ways to go. But I do think the the championship championship expectations need to be brought down a tad, and the six or seven wins. Embrace that. Embrace a bowl game. You know, it's been a while since they've been bowling, right? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. You know, and uh, honestly, look back at USC last year, and uh, boy, I'm blanking right now. They didn't even win the Pac-12 title, correct? No, they didn't. Didn't Utah, Utah beat Utah, them? So, yeah. uh, so USC is probably the closest example of what's going on at Colorado right now. Uh, but the overhaul was not nearly as big. First off, USC had a better roster to start off with. They had a more experienced head coach. They brought in a much more experienced and, and a higher quality level of transfers. I mean, they brought in Caleb Williams. They brought in the Bolitnikoff winner and Jordan Addison. Right. They're bringing in higher level transfers, and they still didn't win the Pac-12 and get to the college football playoffs. So. To expect Colorado to be to get to that level with, frankly, a bunch of uh, guys that I'm not saying they can't play, but a bunch of guys that are coming from the FCS or group of five schools, even guys that weren't even starters at their previous schools, that's a lot to put on a team. You know, they're going to be better, and that's what they need. But to to think that they're going to contend for a title, I just think that's almost impossible. Yeah, and I think I like to compare this to my time at Texas when I was covering Texas. Um, Steve Sarkeesian's first year on the job, he brought in three defensive transfers, one from Notre Dame, one from Alabama, and one from LSU. They were all reserves, and one of them was like a more of a contributor, probably the the sixth man as a line, like in terms of basketball. He's like the sixth man. He'd come off the bench at his previous school. 
And all the Texas fans were like, this is it. We got it. Like, this is going to be the, the difference for our defense. And it's like, no, the, none of those. I think only one of those guys started at Texas. Um, the other two were kind of in and out, and it just didn't work out. And so that's why I'm saying of the 40 transfers, he's got to hit on at least 25 of them. And but yeah. I hit on them. 25 mean that 25 of them need to be like key contributors, um, key starters. Otherwise, this team is just going to be a hodgepodge of guys from all over the country. But obviously, there's always room for growth. And we'll we'll see that the only time we'll know is when they hit the field, because really, there's yeah. only so much we can learn from them going up against each other with no numbers and all that. Um, so we just got to wait and see. Um, before we move on, guys, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Um, the Lakers and the Warriors played last night. I always look for Steph Curry threes, LeBron assist, whatever it may be. There's no better place to place all the bets on your playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel is the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Okay, back to the nitty gritty of it. You've been covering Colorado for how many years? Remind us. Well, 2010 was really my first year, so this will be year 14. Year 14. Okay, so a couple presidential terms almost. Um, <laughs> what has been the biggest difference that Coach Prime has kind of changed at Colorado um you've seen it through the Carl Durrell days the Mel Tucker year <laughs> what, what have yeah. you seen <laughs> well certainly fan energy is the biggest thing and uh Mel Tucker brought a good amount of that in his uh you know five minutes here in Boulder but um not at this level I mean it's it's insane and you know it's pretty obvious when you look at the spring game and there's 47,000 people there when in previous years there's been you know a thousand two thousand you know, even when Tucker was here, there wasn't like a ton of guys or a ton of people at the spring game. So um, just fan engagement as far as uh, that, you know, merchandise sales, ticket sales, things like that. That's the biggest thing that's changed. And um, I think that he's probably changing the team attitude as well, more so than we've ever seen. And it's a dramatic change from what it was last year, just the the vibe in the building and, and the energy coming from uh, just inside that building is way different than it was last year. Yeah, and I think to touch on that, because last year I wasn't covering Colorado, but just following from afar. Um, I follow all the Pac-12 programs. I cover Stanford as well. Um, I saw TikToks or social media posts about Colorado from Colorado players last year joking about their losses. They would make like they'd have like memes or TikTok videos uh, when Coach Prime was hired about them hitting the portal and stuff like that. And it just feels more serious. Um, it's it seems like it's like a professionally ran team in terms of like an NFL style team, like everybody has a job. It's like, they're all playing for their checks, playing for their families, if you will. Whereas in years prior, it just kind of seemed like everybody was happy to be there. You know, I'm a D one athlete. It's cool. I'm on Colorado. It is what it is. If we win some games, cool. If not, you know, I still get the merch or whatever. Do you think yeah. there's a, the culture change is just like a completely 180 under coach prime? Yeah, for sure. You know, and I actually ran into uh, one of the players. Uh, it was right before the spring game. Um, he's now, uh, one of the guys that was in the portal um, mm. that didn't want to go in the portal. Um, and I, I won't say who it is, but, you know, he he's a guy that, uh, you know, when I was chatting with him, I said, hey, it seems like, you know, you're one of the guys they like. He goes, yeah, I think so. And uh, But he said the vibe is much more businesslike. Uh, and he said, I understand it. That, that's, how it that's how it goes. It is a business. Uh, it's just different. Um, and then a couple of days later, 
um, there he was in the portal because he was a guy that they said, hey, you're not probably, you're probably not going to play a lot. Uh, it's time to move on. So um, he was a victim of that business uh, aspect as well. So it's very different, uh, especially for anybody that was around this team at the end of last year. After Carl Durrell was fired, uh, Mike Sanford uh, did a really great job of uh, really hammering home the, the family atmosphere, and he, he recognized – Basically, these guys needed an arm around uh, their their shoulder and um, you know coddled a little bit and just say, "Hey, everything's okay. We're gonna be all right." And they relied on family. He did a great job with that. They didn't win games, uh, but they really uh, became close together as a unit. And then all of a sudden, I mean, that lasted a couple months and it gets blown up, you know. And so it's dramatically different for anybody that was uh, here for this team at the end of last year, especially. Yeah, Coach Prime made it known right away that. Um, he was basically urging them to leave uh, if yeah. if they felt that they didn't belong in the scheme of things. And then obviously after the spring game, it was it went from urging to like, here's your plane ticket. We got you a ticket. So hit the yeah. door. Um, could you touch on the recruiting slash transfer aspect? Um, more so the attention that the program is now getting from top recruits and even some of the top transfers now compared to years prior. Yeah, you know, I think they're certainly getting looks from the top transfers. Uh, we have not seen a lot of the top transfers commit yet. Um, you know, Shadur, Sanders, and Travis Hunter are exceptions. But um, to me, you look at, you know, I mean, those were obvious gets, right? Shadur is his son. Travis Hunter uh, played from at Jackson and, you know, plays corner, wants to learn from the best corner ever. Now, those two were easy. But you look at the 24-7, you know, top 100 uh, transfers this year, those are the only two they have. Uh, they also had Seydou Treor from Arkansas State, who uh, then left um, after the spring game. So uh, they ultimately only have two of the top 100 guys. Uh, they've brought in people that are top recruits that have not committed here. And so they're certainly getting looks, uh, but some of those top uh, transfers are not you know, pulling the trigger and saying, yep, that's where I want to go yet. Um, they're getting more so those guys that you'll want that fresh start or maybe some lower level guys that were stars at the FCS or something like that, or a group of five. Um, but they are getting looks and that's a start. You know, they're getting people in Boulder and from the high school ranks there, that's where there's, we're kind of seeing a little more traction with getting some of those higher rank guys. Yeah. And I think high school too, and especially now at the transfer portal, they could take the chance um, to come to Colorado for the year. And if it doesn't work out, they can always leave. Um, a lot of the guys that are highly touted recruits will always have suitors back in the portal. Um, I do think it's interesting that you mentioned the transfer portal guys that they are, they have a certain, I want to say type that they're attracting, but they're, they're going after Floridians. I think step one of being a transfer that Colorado gets be from Florida, step yeah. one. <laughs> no, but no, they outside of that, they're targeting guys from the South and they're targeting, um, it's like guys that have an edge to them that have something to prove. And so whether it's a guy like Roderick Ward, who at Southern Utah played really well and is now looking to show he could do it at a higher level, or a guy like Savelle Smalls from Washington, who was a projected first round pick coming out of high school um, for, by 24-7, first or five-star and all that, yeah. all, all that pizzazz. And now he's coming to Colorado with 14 tackles under his belt last season, nothing special. And so some of these guys need second chances. And so there's a lot of, a mixture of talent, if you would, I think you would agree, right? Yeah, for sure. And, and I did an interview with ja Jaquez Robinson uh, coming from Alabama. He's a defensive back and uh, was at three three years at Alabama and hasn't played a whole lot. I think he's got one or two tackles in three seasons there. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that, you know, very insightful. Um, I actually have an interview on my YouTube channel if, if anybody wants to watch it. But, um, you know, he made the, that point that, um, that, hey, we got a lot of guys in here that have that chip on their shoulder that, you know, for whatever reason, 
uh, no, he he was uh, very complimentary of Alabama, but he said for whatever reason, guys might think uh, that they were done wrong by their their previous school. They didn't get the playing time they felt they deserved, you know, and they're looking for that second chance. And um, he actually said, I think this collection of guys on a mission can be dangerous and uh, we'll see, you know, it is a lot of guys that, you know, were highly recruited. Savelle Smalls, like you mentioned, you know, a a five-star edge with zero sacks and three years of college is like, okay. Is it, you know, was he, was he miscast as a five-star maybe, but maybe a change of scenery uh, and a bigger and a better opportunity here, you know, brings something out in him. Maybe it brings something out in Jaquez Robinson, Demoy Kennedy from Alabama. Uh, Levanta Bentley is a guy that was uh, highly productive as a backup at Clemson, but he was a backup. Now he has an opportunity to start. Does that uh, really blossom for him? So they've got a lot of guys like that. I mean, that's probably the one common thing in most of these transfers is there is that their edge to those guys. I mean, they've got a lot to prove. Yeah, and I think, ironically, the only two transfer spot or positions on the roster, excuse me, that are the most experienced are the ones that have the least amount of people on the field. You have Dur Sanders at quarterback. Um, obviously, you're only playing one quarterback. In the safety room, they have, I think, four or five now starting caliber safeties. And obviously, typically, there's only two on the field unless one of them moves to nickel or can play corner or something. And so it's like the the two positions that are on the field the, the least in terms of quantity uh, yeah. are the most experienced. Like receiver, they have... Uh, obviously Jimmy Horn and Xavier Weaver, but after that kind of dips off, um, I was expecting Montana Lamonius Craig to be that third guy with Travis Hunter having whatever role he has. And that that's not going to happen now, obviously. So do Troy was supposed to be, um, which I always thought was an interesting fit. Um, I, I like to look at the trends in terms of offenses when, then there's new coaches and Sean Lewis never used tight ends and Colorado fans got on me for saying no one's been as good as they do Traore. It doesn't matter. He doesn't, he doesn't use them. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter if there was, they're all world. He doesn't use the tight ends that much. So I thought yeah. that was an interesting fit. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see and see where kind of everyone fits and gels into this lineup. And I honestly think there's going to be position battles going into probably the second to last week before week one. Um, realistically, there's just so many moving pieces and um, we're going to talk about those moving pieces. But before we do, I want to thank all the listeners and viewers for making Locked on Buffs, Locked on Buffs, your first listen every day. Um, we're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to like, subscribe and share us. Um, we appreciate your support. Okay, Brian, Brian from Buff Zone, Brian Howe, appreciate you for joining us. Um, we're talking about the transfers. Um, it's been heavily criticized. Um, we talked about, we alluded to it a little bit earlier. We didn't get into the, the transactional part of it basically coach prime was telling guys and his staff uh his staff members as well we're telling guys you're not going to have a role on this team we urge you we imply you we would prefer if you hit the portal um he said that when he's told him his bags were louis and after the spring game he was literally telling people to leave um criticized for that um criticized for maybe focusing too much on the transfer portal urban Meyer um, today said that maybe it's a little too much or on Monday, excuse me, because this is going up on Tuesday. Um, he said it, maybe it's a little too much. Uh, maybe he needs to focus more on recruiting or whatever it may be. What are your thoughts on this transfer portal exodus criticism, the whole shebang? Well, I, a couple different, I, you know, I, I see both sides of it, you know, and it is harsh, um, you know, and for a lot of these players uh, they've never, been told this you know i mean if you're playing at colorado and people can say whatever they want they were one and 11 i get it uh they were terrible last year 
but still, if you're on the roster at Colorado, even a one in eleven Colorado team, you were a very good high school player and probably uh, one of the best, if not the best, at your high school. You were always a star. You probably always uh, grew up kind of being the man, you know, and maybe in multiple sports. And all of a sudden, you get told, uh, "Yeah, we don't want you. You know, you need to go. Uh, you're not good enough to play here." Uh, that's rough. Um, so I get that, and and it is college. It's not NFL, and so I, I get all that. At the same time, I look at it and say, this is what players fought for, right? Uh, you know, I mean, they're players, and not necessarily these players, but some previous players even, they fought for this freedom uh, to be able to move in the transfer portal. And, uh, you know, I, I thought it then, and I think a lot of people thought it then, that the negative impact was it was going to come back and bite the players in this regard. And they get the freedom of movement, but the coaches also have the freedom of moving on. You know, and saying, guess what? You can move. Well, we can move on from you. So uh, go get in the portal and move on. And um, in some ways, I think he's doing some of these guys a favor. Uh, that's They don't maybe see it right now, but, you know, these guys want to play. They've only got a few years to play. And I will say this. I think that this staff has been honest with these guys uh, for the most part and telling them, hey, you're not going to play here. And so take that for what you will. They want to play football, so they're going to jump in the portal and try to find a place they can play. Uh, so I see all that. Basically, in my opinion, for the most part, Coach Prime is taking advantage of what the system has set up and allows him to do. Uh, just a couple of years ago, you could not bring in this many people in one cycle. Now you can because of new NCAA rules. This is basically going to be three recruiting classes in one offseason, uh, which is insane. And that's why people are kind of looking at it like, whoa, this is too much. It's never been done before. Uh, but if there was any roster in the country that needed a massive overhaul, it was this one. And Coach Prime is just doing what's within the rules. Yeah, and I think that's the part that – and it reminds me of the NFL draft too. I think people and players, young athletes specifically, don't always factor in everything. Um, so, yes, we were all excited to be able to transfer, but now coaches know that, hey, I'm going to try this Kevin Borba kid out. If he doesn't work out, I could implore him to leave – and he could transfer and not be penalized. Um, I don't think players saw that coming. I think they kind of were just of the, operating of the mindset, well, coaches can leave whenever. Why can't we? And so now they can. Mm -hmm. It's just they're going to have that used against them. And two, I like the point that you made. It kind of is helping some of these guys. Um, some of these guys weren't going to see the field under Coach Prime. And this is the dirty business of college football. A lot of coaches would have told them hey i don't know if you're going to start but you're going to have a role for us and then those kids don't see the field but it's in terms of numbers and depth they have them there they have that body and so i think while it's blunt it's honest it's kind of crass if you will um he's doing them a true service of letting them know they're not going to play and while it's yeah. hard to hear like you said for all these guys that were star athletes um wouldn't you rather know than be lied to and be sitting there for, and it's week nine and you've played three snaps. <laughs> right. And you know, honestly, I'm watching on Twitter, a lot of these guys that have gone on the portal in the last few weeks um, and they're posting offers from all these places and they may not be Colorado. They may not even be power five, but guess what? They're, they're, they're wanted, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, and after being told, Hey, we don't want you here. That's, that's good for them. They're being wanted. And, and we're seeing a lot of uh, former Colorado players now, um, you know, commit to, to new schools and it might be a group of five or an FCS school. Several have gone power five, but I think that's awesome opportunities for them. It's nice to see that they're wanted. They're feeling that they're feeling that a little bit. And so I think for some of those guys, you just want a better fit and it's like a job, right? You know, if, if you're not happy in your job and you know, you're not doing well, you want to go to someplace else where you can feel wanted and, 
and feel a little more uh, excited about going to work every day, right? These guys can feel better. You know, I think Josh Wiggins is going to Liberty now. He can hopefully feel better going to practice every day at Liberty, knowing I've got a chance to start here, as opposed to trudging through at Colorado, where you know you've got all these, you got Travis Hunter, Cormani McLean, all these guys ahead of you, and you're not going to play. So um, I'm happy for some of these guys that I'm seeing get opportunities. Yeah, and I mean, an opportunity to play football is an opportunity to play football. The one final question before we go: um, Is this transfer? portal all the people know they keep saying he did this at jackson state it's not the same thing it's just not bringing in a lot of people uh, players at jackson state who's getting transfers from group of five fcs programs and it made sense there they're transferring down a level they should have dominated but transferring up to the power five is not the same so let me preface that yeah do you think this is going to be a strategy used in the future um obviously coach prime is not going to take in 70 people every year 50 people whatever it is but we might is gonna, yeah uh, you never know i guess <laughs> but is it going to be a strategy he tries to continue to use and is this going to be the last time we see someone try to target the portal as much as they have um because this could be a a telltale of what not to do <laughs> yeah i i don't think it's the last time we're going to see him do it um it may not be 70 new players next year uh but i think that as he goes through a year there are going to be some guys that you know i mean we saw there was four that they brought in in january that they already you know moved on from and so uh, and that's out of a smaller group and so if you go through an entire season and and uh into january maybe maybe not even that far you go through an entire season with guys he might be honest with 20 of them and say hey it didn't work out here i'm sorry there might be some guys that just come here and didn't play as much as they wanted to um i think we're probably going to see I would bet 40 to 50 uh, roster uh, changes next year as well. Um, as far as other people doing it, uh, yeah, I, I think it'll be used, maybe not to this level, but we are seeing Kenny Dillingham do that at, at Arizona State. Um, you know, there is that first-year coach exemption where you can get rid of players, and, um, you know, the school has to pay for their scholarship if they stay in school, uh, but most are going to transfer on. Dillingham's basically doing the same thing, just not quite to this level. Um, I think we'll see a lot of first-year coaches if they're taking over programs that were that were bad. Hey, let's do a roster overhaul because we can. Mm-hmm. And I think, especially at the Power Five, I think those are the only programs that it's going to like work as close to this. Yeah. But in terms of attracting, like, I guess the caliber of guys, if you want, like the the Travis Hunters and the five-star recruits and stuff, I don't know if it's going to work for everybody else. And so they're going to have to kind of settle for some of these guys. But I did think it was interesting to see. I think this will be like a, a warning year for everybody. Like, is this a method we should use or is this something we should never do and just stick to recruiting and plug and play in a few transfers? Okay, Brian, before well, I we will say, let me add one thing is that go ahead, go ahead. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, because of how much uh, backlash and attention this has gotten, there's some NCAA rules that change because of it, you yeah. know, because a lot of people, when they see something like this, uh, there are some rules that will come out and the rules change all the time. And so it may be the only time it happens because there might be rule changes. Trans- transfer limits per team, maybe 20 per yeah. team or something like that could be in the future. Okay, Brian, I, I appreciate you for coming on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you answer a question before we go. And you're probably going to hate the question, but I got to do it. <laughs> Win total is at three and a half. Um, I know you might have established this already earlier, but are you taking the over? Or are you taking the under? I would take the over. I wouldn't feel 100% confident in the over right now just because I don't know everybody that's going to be on this team and depth is an issue in some spots. And so we want to see where it's at. But I think the quarterback position is so much better that, uh, you know, I think that they can get that over. I do think they're a, a very, very possibly a bowl team. 
which mm. means over three and a half wins. You got to get the six there. So there I think go. they could be in a bowl team. I would take the over. Appreciate it, Brian. I appreciate you for coming on. Um, Brian, let the people know where they can find you. Um, I know you're at Buffstone. Give them a, give your work a shout out real quick. Yeah, so at, at Buff Zone, the Bowl of Daily Camera, uh, we're also, uh, I, myself also appears in the Denver Post, uh, and, uh, you know, right there, it's got, you got it right there, the Twitter handle at Brian Howell 33 and, uh, you know, follow all the Buff Zone stuff on there. Yeah, appreciate Brian for coming on. Um, you guys can follow Locked on Buffs on Twitter. Um, we're on YouTube as well. And then you can follow all my work over on Athlon. Um, me and Brian, we got you covered about basically everything. We've both got these long lists that we've been working on of who's in, who's mm-hmm. out. Um, I know it's tough to go back and see how we wrote certain things um, in terms of stats and stuff. Uh, but that's just the, that's just what happens when you're making a list of 50 plus people. Um, so don't let our work go unnoticed. We appreciate you guys for listening and we appreciate you guys for watching. We will see you guys on Wednesday. Have a great day.